Drama City Productions presets. Immersion Rig now online. Welcome nerd. Now generating episode 97. Featuring horror, comics, movies, wrestling. Full immersion begins in 3, 2, 1. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. Christian. The day has finally arrived. Disney Plus is live. Yes. So what was the first thing you watched? I watched Kim Possible. <laughs> Kim Possible? Yes. I know Kim Possible. Yes, anything's possible. I watched the X-Men uh, animated series. Ah, yes. I I was excited to see that in the last bottom corner there. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I did. I went ahead and I was like, I'm going to go ahead and watch the first episode. And it was nostalgic goodness. So I haven't watched it in years. I never picked it up. They did like a kind of like a DVD set mm-hmm. where it's like multiple volumes. I never got that. I don't know if I ever got like a Blu-ray release. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I've been meaning to like revisit it. I want to like introduce my daughter to it and everything. So it's a fun show. Mm. It really is, man. And that theme music. That theme music, man. <laughs> it stays with you. Yes. So all day today, I've been humming it in the hallways <laughs> at work. Um, but no, no. I Have you had any issues with Disney Plus? You know, I haven't been running into the outages like other people have. Like, it's been like a huge deal for people. And, and Chicago's apparently one of the worst areas, too. Really? Because I, you know, maybe it's when we down, like, I downloaded right after work. So probably around like five-ish. So maybe at that point, everything was kind of like cleared up. Mm-hmm. I don't think I used it till like 1030. So. Okay. Yeah. No, I didn't have any issues whatsoever. It worked like smoothly. So it's not like when I uh, first downloaded the WWE network, it didn't work for like three <laughs> weeks. And that was like the mm-hmm. initial launch. It was like literally three yes, weeks. Yes, I remember all the crashing. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> it was fucking horrible. So, but I guess they did about 3.5 million downloads yesterday. Nice. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> can, can we get that? Yeah, right. Because, yeah, we've been giving it like free advertising literally for the past, what, six months? And we're um, gonna do it some more. <laughs> and obviously, you checked out Mandalorian. Yes, I've checked out the Mandalorian. We're not gonna talk the Mandalorian though till next week. We want to gather our thoughts mm-hmm. and maybe get another episode in the can, and then we'll go ahead and you know tell you our first impressions. So, but yeah, pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're ruining it, I'm David. Spoiling it, but yeah, no. <laughs> Pretty, pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, no, man, I, I, I've enjoyed it. I mean, it's crazy, like, how excited I am about, like, having, like, ducktails on, like, you know, at a fingertips length now, which is a show I haven't thought mm-hmm. about in years. But I was like, ducktails! I got really way too excited for it. Um, yeah, and there's so many shows that I just totally forgot about that's, like, in the, like, Disney library that I didn't really think about. It really helps you understand how large Disney is, too. Yeah, it's scary. Like, owning ABC Family and... Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> fucking scary. And this isn't even all the content at mm-hmm. this point, so... Oh, my God, people are complaining about, uh, the Simpsons aspect ratio. 
Oh, really? Uh, because apparently on the previous app or whatever you could use, I think for FXX, okay, uh, you could choose what size the video was. So if, like if you're watching the original seasons, you could put it in the like letterbox because um, it was an HD originally. Mm-hmm. Okay, and now it's forced, so you're like you're getting little intricacies. But I, mean, I was like, it's The Simpsons. I can't imagine how much they're throwing into... Yeah, it's not Avatar, so (laughs) (laughs) relax. I'm not worried about it, but people are pissed off about it. Yeah, people get crazy with that shit. I'm not one of those people, like, I can deal with, like, watching a fucking blurry VHS tape if I have to. Mm. Like, I don't know. It adds nostalgia to me, you know? But something's weird when movies look too clear. When it looks better than it did on, like, the initial release. Mm. Yeah, it just makes me feel all McClunky inside, Christian. (laughs) (laughs) What does that even mean to you, David? (laughs) I have no fucking clue. I think George Lucas is the only person who, like, truly understands what that means. I think it would be... Well, to explain what we're talking about, we're talking about Greedo's famous last words. Famous, (laughs) (laughs) Newly famous last words in episode four. Oh, God. So, yes. So, apparently within, what, like maybe... Uh, two hours of like Disney Plus going live Mm. like there was six articles of like Star Wars fans complaining about this random change to New Hope Um, during the infamous uh, who shot first scene now for some reason Greedo lets out the war cry McClunky Um, wasn't there before never been there Right? I mean, it Mm -hmm. doesn't seem like it's part of Lord and people. Like, there was someone who figured out what it actually means? Yeah. um, Fandoms, like, on Twitter and stuff brought up the fact that Saboba had said it in Phantom Menace. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um, Uh, It means it'll be the end of you. It's very awkward. Who translated that? Is it actually subtitled? I don't in a Phantom Menace? I, I would have to go look, and I'm not going to do that. <laughs> oh, my God. But I wouldn't be surprised. So everyone was freaking out. People were saying they thought, like, Disney like Disney added it oh. for some weird reason. Um, but it ended up actually being a line that was added in by George Lucas when he was getting the film ready for the canceled 3D release. Mm-hmm. Um, but then someone over at Disney thought it'd be a great way, I guess, to honor him. At least that's what the article kind of suggests. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but, um... Great. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Um, but it got people talking, right? Mm. So it was free advertisement, you know, for... I mean, they know what the fuck they're doing, right? (laughs) It's just that it looks weird. It also, it kind of looks like he's, like, Han's shooting first. But then it shows the like the change where it's Greedo. There is a weird jump there, yeah. right? It does it, that. Okay, I thought it was me. I was like, "Is this how the scene usually looks?" But no, they, no right? There feels like there's a weird edit or something mm. going on. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. More Star Wars madness. Um, <laughs> I, I do you feel like they're doing this so it's a bigger deal when they finally actually release like the original cut, like theatrical release? You know, I film. wouldn't be surprised. That's a great way of saying like, "Oh man." Well, you complained. Here we go. Here's the original take. Maybe in like six months or so when kind of like, you know, a dip and then, you know, go ahead and release, you know, the theatrical cuts, like the original theatrical cuts. Well, do you think they would put it on plus instead of DVD? Well, if you want to fucking get downloads. It's not a bad idea. You know, I think they would eventually release it on Mm Blu-ray, but 
yeah, I mean, it's a great way to get people to fucking go crazy because every Star, every hardcore Star Wars fan, that's a holy grail. So people are going to fucking, you know, join, you know, Disney Plus just for that. Making an extra bundle. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Another tier. Exactly. (laughs) Star Wars nerd. Um, Yeah, no, I, man, if I didn't already have it, I would probably download it again. So, um, but yeah, no, it it definitely felt weird and out of place and, and... it felt like a headline grabber yes. where they're just trying to like stir up controversy, you know, for their kickoff, their initial launch. So, um, all right, man. Well, yeah, like I said, we'll be talking about Mandalorian shortly, um, probably next week, but let's go ahead and move on to the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in nerdum. We are not mild manner reporters. We are mere podcasters with opinions. Yeah, let's get into the news. We're talking Marvel Studios this week. Big surprise. (laughs) Big surprise? (laughs) Something different. Mm. We're talking Marvel Studios this week because they announced the writers for Moon Knight and She-Hulk. That's right. And that is none other than Jessica Gao from Rick and Morty fame. Mm -hmm. And Jeremy Slater from Umbrella Academy. Yeah, not too bad, right? Mm -hmm. Both shows that we we love. Yes, um, Jessica Gao did like... The Emmy Award-winning episode, uh, Pickle, Pickle Rick. Rick. <laughs> Pickle Rick! Um, and then uh, Jeremy Slater was Umbrella Academy, which is a show that I, I... One of my favorite shows of the year so far. I still so. have to shame him for working on Death Note. It was a terrible, terrible Death movie. Note? Yes, he did the live-action readaptation of oh, the, anime the anime Death Note. Okay. <laughs> fair enough, fair did enough. Did not get it right. But he killed it with Umbrella Academy. True. So, um, but yeah, no, exciting news. Um, they're definitely in the pre-production phase right now, and we'll be talking about this for probably the next three years. Because so. <laughs> this is like phase five shit, mm-hmm. right? Um, but still exciting. I, I, I'm still amazed that these shows are happening. Um, I'm sure there's going to be Miss Marvel news sooner than later mm-hmm. at this point. And actually speaking, staying with Disney Plus and the MCU, um, we actually got to see some of the concept art for Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that pro- I think probably the crowd at San Diego Comic-Con got to see, but they released it on a little like trailer show that they did on Disney Plus for the Marvel Universe. Um, just a look at, you know, Falcon's, uh, costume and Winter Soldier's costume. And then we actually got our first look at, uh, the U.S. agent. Which I didn't realize they were going to make so identical to Captain America's. I thought they might do more of a, like, a spin on it or... Well, it's a little bit of a spin, but I think the problem is right now, whenever they talk about the U.S. agent, they show, like, Walker's current, like, outfit, the black motif and everything, Mm -hmm. um... So, which was actually Cap's, like, costume at that point. And they kind of flip-flopped once, you know, Captain took the shield back. So, um, yeah. I thought it looked awesome, though. I really mm-hmm. did like the look. Um, and then I like that Falcon is kind of going, you know, more comic accurate, you know, with his uh, costume. So, and Winter Soldier, I was like, I could take it or leave it, honestly. <laughs> it was a little plain Jane. I was like, oh, really? That's, that's what we're doing here? But... It is what it is. I don't know if it was kind of like supposed to echo, you know, Cap's look. Um, and I think we've been speculating for a while. It feels like we're moving down. Like I feel like the last episode of the series is going to end up, you know, Falcon actually, you know, yeah. taking the mantle and 
being in the, the full uniform. So maybe even like the last scene of the last episode to get everyone excited probably for a possible Avengers movie. I mean, it's going to be at the end of the credits of the last episode. Oh, you think so? Do you think they're going to do that? (laughs) (laughs) The after credits scene for the TV? (laughs) They probably will do that. (laughs) So we also got news that Loki is tying in, the Loki series is tying in directly to uh, Doctor Strange, uh, the multiverse of madness, I believe it's called. Um, and we also know that the WandaVision is mm. also going to be tied into that. So I thought that was pretty awesome. It makes perfect sense, you know, with Loki's show going to be kind of like fucking with the time stream. It seems like that it would all kind of like all tie together. I think it would be awesome to see uh, Loki versus Wanda in that like two like reality altering type characters. I mean, while Loki is more just, you know, mischievous, uh, mischievous. Yeah. And Wanda is literally changing reality. I think that would be a very cool visual. I'm really curious, like, what version of Wanda we're going to get, like, by the end of that series. Because that series is supposed to be insane. So are we going to get, you know, Avengers, like, disassembled Wanda at this point where Mm -hmm. she's just completely off her rocker? So there are rumors floating around that they're actually going to have kids on the show. So once again, that goes into our theory of Young Avengers, mm. you know, being right around the corner. Um, I don't know, man. I, it's an exciting time to be like a Marvel fan. <laughs> it really is. I mean, we got like two lead-in shows for the movie. Mm. It's crazy. Craziness. Um, all right. So let's move on, Christian. We had a lot of trailers this week. Yes. Uh, first up, we have Fantasy Islands. Coming soon to theaters. That is a really good hologram. There is only one fantasy per guest. And you must see your fantasy through. It brought her back to life. No matter what. Oh my god. That's really her. Work. This is not what I meant. What the hell is this place? We'll die here. The island's twisting what we asked for. We weren't brought here to have our own fantasies. I want it. I got it. I want it. We were brought here to be a part of something else. I got it. Mr. Rourke makes secret dreams of his guests come true as a luxurious tropical resort. But when fantasies turn into nightmares, the visitors must soon solve the island's mysteries in order to escape with their lives. So, Christian, what the fuck? I don't know what to tell you, man. (laughs) So, I grew up watching Fantasy Island in, like, reruns. This is not the Fantasy Island I remember at all. This is some weird, like, Eli Roth, like, twisted nightmare version. Um... What a bizarre choice. Like, I mean, what, like, studio exec sat down (laughs) and, like, caught, like, an episode on Nick at Night and was like, this would make a fantastic horror movie. Uh Um, Because, you know, that's exactly what happened. It probably, like, (laughs) so this is going, this is directed by the guy who did Truth or Dare. Yes, uh, Jeff Wardlow. Yes, and I was not too impressed with that. I didn't see the movie, but the trailer looked <laughs> horrible. Um, he also did Kick-Ass 2, mm. which I... Did you see Kick-Ass 2? I've seen Kick-Ass 2. Was it it's, okay? 
It's fun to watch. I wouldn't call it a good movie. Okay. Well, I wasn't too impressed with this trailer. I don't know about you, because it literally all of a sudden felt like it was like a bad, like, ripoff of Hostel, like, in the middle of the trailer. And it yep. felt very, like, I don't know. <laughs> Starting off, I was place. like, this feels like it's ripping off the original Scooby-Doo live-action movie. Like... <laughs> But I got intrigued by what they were doing. I was I was interested to know like, oh, the mystery behind what's going on is like, are these clones of people that they know? Is this like how far deep is this going to go? And how violent could this possibly go? Uh, but do I have we have feeling, a rating? I feel like it's going to be PG thirteen. There isn't a, a rating just yet. I think that'll sway me. If mm-hmm. it's like a hard R, then okay, you know. I'm, Come on, think they I'll, go straight up Eli Roth, and we're I'm getting in. fucking killing. Yes. <laughs> Michael Pena, though, like, it's just a rourke. Like, maybe Tattoo. (laughs) He's short, right? He can play the part. (laughs) Just, I don't know. I don't get it. I just, this is not my fantasy island. And what's next? Like, Love Boat? Are they going to do, like, a horror version of Love Boat? It's it's Love Boat, but with zombies. Uh, Hey, I'm in. (laughs) That sounds great. So, I don't know. I'm going to need another trailer to really decide. But, yeah, it, it really feels like a twisted Twilight Zone version mm-hmm. of, you know, Fantasy Island. So, I don't know, man. All right. So, what do we have next? Up next, we have Harley Quinn's DC series. You're a strong woman who doesn't care what other people think. Right. Exactly. Because if I want a crew, I should be looking for scumbags no one else believes in. Holy shit. He just became like the least employable person on earth. Exactly. I didn't just get a crew of bad guys. I got the fucking worst. Joker, this is my score. Well, it was. Throw Harley out. If he wants to fuck with me, I will fuck right back. Seems like she's doing pretty well. You know she has HPV, right? Most sexually active adults do. The newly single Harley Quinn sets off to make it on her own as the criminal queen pin in Gotham City. All right, and this is like the first and final trailer. Yeah. Because I felt like we just got teasers before. And even like the teasers before were like one-liners here and there, so it wasn't like full like we we weren't getting a sense of what the show was more like introducing the characters yeah i do like the character design mm-hmm. um i'm still apt i know i said this last time i'm still not sold on kelly coco's voice for her yeah it doesn't it, it just doesn't give me that vibe it definitely throws me a little too um i like the setup though i like the premise of the show mm-hmm. that it's kind of like harley trying to you know go on her own and be independent from the joker um and it seems like she's trying to join the legion of doom which is pretty cool um so i i like the concept Mm. but the execution so far just from the trailer seems a little lacking like it feels like it's really proud of itself that it can swear yes you know and they like beat it like a dead horse in the in this trailer because you got every other like regular superhero character like being pretty much straight edge the way that they're talking and then each and every villain that's close to her 
Yes. It's just cursing up a storm. Yes. And I'm fine with cursing. Don't get me wrong. It just feels forced. Yes. You know? Um, so, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't have the the Warner Brothers or DC apps, mm-hmm. so um, I'm going to have to hear really good things for me to download <laughs> another fucking app at this point. You know, another streaming service. I feel like I have to give this one episode. Because usually... Adult comedy cartoons are, are way up my way up my alley in general. Mm-hmm. I just I hope that they're like just misrepresenting the show with these trailers so far. Maybe they're just trying to like hook a yeah. you know a younger, more juvenile audience with mm-hmm. the swearing and everything instead of the story. Because the story idea I like, you know, and it's a classic Harley kind of tale, you know, her trying to like you know break ties with Joker and you know move on and be her own woman. So I, I dig that aspect, but I don't know. I don't. Know. I like the cast that they've got around her. It mm-hmm. seems like her little team. You know, I'm guessing her trying to like help her join the Legion of Doom, where they're all trying to like maybe it's like an audition or a tryout that ends up happening. All right, so let's go ahead and move on. Next up, we have Sonic the Hedgehog. Whatever this creature is, I'm going to uncover the source of its power. Yeah. Hey. I just thought you might like a latte with steamed Austrian goat milk. Of course I want a latte. I love the way you make them! We gotta lay low. Let me show you how it's done. So should we get out of here? Yeah, time to go. I always want to do this. Nailed it! Uh-oh. Let's go! Here comes the boom! How are you not dead? I have no idea! Give me a big fat! Sonic tries to navigate the complexities of Earth with his newfound best friend. They must soon join forces to prevent the evil Dr. Robotnik from capturing Sonic and using his powers for world domination. So, after the fan outcry that we got, what, like three months ago, (laughs) they went back to the chalkboard and they redesigned Sonic. It's like the first time the internet won, you know? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, what were your thoughts about their reworking of Sonic? The reworking? I think it's perfect. I think they got exactly what it needed to look like. It, and it looks exactly how the video game character looks. Yes, it's definitely a lot more animated mm-hmm. and cartoony, um, but that's fine. It's fine. It doesn't need to be based in realism. Yes. Yes, we don't need to see his, like, joints and, yeah. Nobody like, wants that. All of his texture and, the, like, the, the gaps teeth. between his teeth. It was and creepy. Yeah. It was so creepy. He's a, he's from another, like, dimension. They, it doesn't um, matter. They definitely enlarged his eyes. Yes. To match, like, the game and everything. Because he had, like, like I was looking at it, I was like, he had, like, a lot more, like, like beady. Like, they gave him, like, almost human-like eyes, mm-hmm. which was bizarre. Um, they gave him gloves. So they made him like the Sonic we all know and love. So I, I thought it was a success. Oh, yeah. I applaud that. I'm still not really interested in this. No, movie. not at all. That's <laughs> what I was about to bring up. <laughs> the, the humor just doesn't do anything. No. And the trailer is really mm-hmm. long. I was like, okay, I'm over this. <laughs> this. This really just reminds me of Woody Woodpecker, the um, live action one that they did. There was a live action Woody Woodpecker? Yes. And it's an absolute travesty of a film. Oh my gosh. It's almost the same kind of concept where it's a super fast character and it's the same actor. <laughs> oh, really? Cyclops? 
Yeah, Cyclops. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good old James Marston. He'll do anything, right? Yeah, he does these weird kids movies. He did that, that hop one for Easter. I bet he has a lot of kids or something. Yeah, He's probably got like a big family <laughs> or something. So, um, I, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, there was something satisfying about seeing Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey, mm-hmm. like back in his like wheelhouse from like the mid nineties. Um, just chewing scenery. Um, but is that worth the price of a movie ticket? Probably not. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean... This... I think it's. I think it was an interesting choice not to introduce any of like Sonic's friends or anything like that. It seems like they're keeping it a simple storyline. But I know... That's what the sequels are for, Christian. I, yeah. I guess. What's but... this? What, Tales or something? Yeah. And then there's the dark. Are you going to try to remember all? Of them? No, no, because I like I was shadow middle. Oh, was it shadow? Yes. He was like, the and he's got a gun. Sonic, right? Does he have a gun? He has a gun, but he doesn't use it in the game. But yes, he has a what gun. What the fuck's the point of the gun? Then he is like depressed. It's he is he's a great character. It's funny, really. <laughs> in his game, you get to choose whether you're going to be bad or good throughout the entire thing. He's and a you're fucking working. hedgehog. Was he they, depressed they made about? Him extra edgy. Throughout the entire game, trust so me. So is he like the like Frank Castle of hedgehogs? Yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to see that movie. <laughs> but not this one. Yep. So, yeah, no. I was happy about the design, but mm. then after that I was like, oh yeah, there's a movie attached to this. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to see this movie. Oh, that was my exact thoughts. I was like, yeah, it looks great. And then I have to, I don't want to see this movie whatsoever. I feel like it will be a hit with children. I definitely think... You know, the kid, but I don't feel like it's going to pick up any, because, um, okay. like, I saw Pokemon, remember? Yeah. Like, I, I was super hyped for that. I got, but this, I'm not getting into Is whatsoever. Sonic a, still a rather big game? Yeah. Okay. It's a franchise that's still going, and they just keep pumping out games. Now, you could argue that a lot of these games aren't good. <laughs> okay. But they sell. Yes. Okay. I love the first Sonic, man. It was like groundbreaking at I've the time. I've never been a Sonic fan. So really? Oh, I love the first me. one. But yeah, no. No. I, yeah, no. Okay. So anyway. <laughs> Let's move on. All right, Damon. So there was like a stat that I, I was watching TV. And it said it's been like 270 plus days since the last Rick and Morty episode came out. And how great was it on Sunday, finally, to have an episode fucking come out? <laughs> it was so, it was, and it was an actually enjoyable episode. So I'm talking about the first episode of the new season uh, for Rick and Morty. Season four? Yep. Um, we kind of get like, um, it's a storyline where it's very similar to the first episode where uh, Rick and Morty pretty much just go out to go pick up some seeds. And Morty knows nothing about the seeds and stuff. But what's interesting about this is, you know, all the events that have happened up to this point in the last few seasons have kind of put Rick now in a lower status in the family. So he's kind of like, instead of just being able to do whatever he wants, he has to ask permission now. I know how he feels. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's the kind of malevolent god of a being to now have to ask permission to take someone to go do something. Okay. You know, it's like, that's, it's just very funny to watch. Um, his dynamic has completely changed. And it's definitely shown that there's going to be a kind of, um, throughout this episode, you kind of get this kind of idea that they're, you know, they're going to take a different pace to the show. Um, they're going to separate it out, you know, spread it out through the 75 episodes that they've been, you know, greenlit to make now. 
that was that was their last contract deal. Was was seventy five episodes. Yeah. Now, how many? What's the episode count for this season? Do, uh, do you know this that? one is just like five episodes? Oh, really? Mm, it's real short. So seventy five up. What is that like? Twenty seasons then? Um, I I feel like maybe they'll they'll make the next one longer. I don't okay. know if it was just a time constraint. Uh, just in general, they said that they're going to pump out seasons a lot faster this time. Okay. Anyway, you're no longer going to be waiting. Yeah. Well, now they've got incentives. Yes. They, I'm sure they got <laughs> lots of money. So, mm. um, it's it's such a big show. It's uh the humor was great throughout the episode. Uh, you have Rick dying a ton. Uh, <laughs> Morty's uh, has this crystal that allows him to like see how he's going to die. So he's going after a certain path. And he's just doing whatever he can to stay on that one path, mm-hmm. uh, even if it means betraying Rick at the time. So it's just uh, it's a lot of interesting concepts that they're doing. Morty's definitely still growing as a character, and we're seeing how that's going. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that we'll get to see more of the more serious story elements that they've been like slowly seeping in. And I'm hoping that with them spreading out the seasons and stuff like that more. I'm hoping that they're not going to like just throw that away, like all the little things with like there's this character called Evil Morty that's out there in the universe that's doing all these like things that a traditional Morty wouldn't be doing. Uh, I'm not going to get too much into it, so I don't, okay. I know you haven't seen it. But. No, no, but I do want to check it out. Mm-hmm. So, um, so do you feel like so you feel like they're playing the long game? Yes, basically. they're definitely playing the long game now. Even at the end of the episode, they were like, "Yes, it's going to be a hundred more episodes of this. We're <laughs> we're going to spread it out and do it differently." Like they actually literally say it. they're very meta with the show. Okay. So this is the characters saying it, yes, or this the is... characters saying. Okay. When That's Rick weird. like mentions something that happened in the past, he's like, "Yeah, that happened a couple seasons ago." Like he's very he's very self aware. They break the fourth mm-hmm. wall. Okay. All right, man. Well, so and now is this coming out weekly? Or... Yes, it is weekly. Okay. Okay, so just five episodes. I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a break for like a holiday season or that would weekend make sense, or something. Since but. the holidays are upon us. Mm-hmm. So. All right, man. So let's move on. Yeah, over the weekend, Damon saw Phil. Yes, I saw Doctor Sleep. And now our feature presentation. Not many ride the bus this far north. You're running away from something? I'm running away from myself, I guess. Hi. You can hear me. You're magic. Like me. I don't know about magic. I always called it The Shining. is a hungry place, a dangerous place. These people, they hurt people like us. These hunted devils, they'll eat what shines. And they've noticed that little girl. coming. Where are we going? There's a place. You sure you want to do 
Years following the events of The Shining, a now adult Danny Torrance must protect a young girl with similar powers from a cult known as the True Knot, who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. Damon, tell me about this film, because I really wanted to go see it. It just wasn't at a time that I could. Yeah, which is weird. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, this film did not do that well in the box office. But I'm here to tell you, as a horror movie fan, and if you are a horror movie fan, go see this film. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, it, Mike Flanagan put together a just a mesmerizing tale um, that really keeps you on the edge of your seat the entire runtime. And it's a long runtime. It's I think it's about two hours and 40 mm. minutes. But you don't check your clock once like during the entire film you know he you know grabs you by the throat and holds you there um it really is like just this well-crafted old school horror movie which i really dug um but it has this like modern day aesthetic at the same time um it does a great job of like honoring both stephen king's work and stanley kubrick's work at the same time um, it manages to both honor uh, Stanley Kubrick's work and Stephen King's work at the same time, um, but being its own like unique film, uh, you, it, Mike Flanagan in like all of his previous works, like you know Oculus, Hill House, he he doesn't rely on jump scares. What he does great is pacing. You know, all of his scares are organic and they're earned. So, um, and this is more of the same, you know, it's all about character development. You get to live with these characters. Um, and like he allows scenes to breathe. So like when something does happen to these, you know, to this cast of characters, like you actually care, um, which is just a novel idea nowadays. Right. Um, I just, I mean, I can't say enough about the film. It really, really you know, like hooked me, um, you know, and it was the kind of movie where I was upset when it ended. And I wanted to like continue to follow, you know, these characters on it, like to their next adventure. It does feel kind of set up like for a possible sequel or even a prequel. Um, but like, don't go into this movie thinking you're getting like the shining two. you know, it's not that it's much more of a companion piece than like a sequel. Um, I would, you know, so I, and I feel like maybe the way that they started to direct the campaign, you know, um, the ad campaign, that maybe it might have turned people off because they really started to really harp on the Overlook and started giving you a lot of trailers that had to do with the Overlook. You do go there with Danny, but it's at the third act of the film, you know, that is like maybe a fraction of, it, of the runtime, maybe 15 to 20 minutes of the movie. Um, so, but at the, at the same point, like don't expect that. If that's why you're going to see this movie, just know that's not what this movie really centers on. 
So um, I love Danny's arc. Uh, Ewan McGregor kills it in this movie. Um, and just Danny's arc, it really drives the film. Um, it's a great journey um, where you get to watch him like kind of just accept who he is and come to terms with like his past, like literally and like figuratively. Um, just like these ghosts that are constantly like haunting him. Um, but, and then through him, you get to know these other characters. Um, uh, I love Danny's arc. Um, it really drives the film. Um, it's a great journey uh, that you get to go on him and you get to watch him just, uh, you know, come to terms with his like with the ghosts that like haunt him like literally and like figuratively like throughout his life um it's just it, it's such an like i said it's a companion piece to the shining really um he even like really explores his relationship with his father and you know like how traumatized he is and everything and how it's affected him as an adult so um, I really dug that. And then like through Danny, we get introduced to, uh, you know, other characters like uh, Abra Stone, who's played by Kaylee Curran. I could be totally destroying her name, but she's a young actress, but she almost like steals the movie, honestly. Um, you know, uh, just her whole arc and, you know, watching her like develop as a character. And I'm trying to go spoiler free here because I do want people to see the movie. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you've seen the trailers, you know she also has powers, but she's much different than, you know, Danny was. She's confident in who she is and she's excited by her powers. She's not hiding from, she's not scared of herself. So, um, you know, it's, it's awesome to see like Danny, like, you know, develop this like relationship with this girl and everything like that. And eventually, you know, kind of become like a mentor character for her. Um, but then, you know, the villains in this movie, you get to spend a lot of time with the villains and usually with like, you know, big bads in a horror movie, I always say less is more. Um, this is kind of like the exception to that rule. Um, you really want to know more about these characters and this like tribe. And the more you get to know about them, you, the more terrifying they become. Um, Rose the Hat is the main villain. She's the leader. She's played by Rebecca Ferguson. Like, and you know, she's every scene she's in, she steals, um, you know, I, I know a lot of people right away were like saying like, you know, this is an iconic performance. Um, I can agree with that. You know, I, I feel like you're going to see people dressing up as Rose for Halloween the next, at least for the next handful of years. Um, she's the kind of character too, where I feel like there's meat on the bone still, you know, we don't really get to know her backstory. Um, but you're just you're really curious to see like how she got to where she is and especially like this tribe of characters that she's you know like it's basically her family um you know so it's like without spoiling too much they're like psychic like vampires um who are like stalking you know people with similar powers to danny so and they feast on them and that's how they stay immortal basically they keep on like living so they have to like feed though like ever so often um so i 
it's a really intriguing concept, something completely different than anything we saw in The Shining. But, I mean, it still is strong enough to carry a movie, um, you know, and it works because it allows you to kind of, you know, explore the aftermath of everything that happened in, you know, The Shining. So um, it, it makes sense, too. It feels organic. You know, we're like, okay, well, these characters could definitely exist in this world. So, um, but yeah, no, she's, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, though, I mean, like I said, all, everyone, it just, I mean, it, it's, the cast is, it's really an ensemble cast. And I mean, they really, really, you know, make this film work. Even though like the runtime is like two hours and 40 minutes, like I was saying, the film still moves and um, you're constantly on the edge of your seat. Um, they use, I feel like, and I have to check this for a fact, but I, it feels like they use a lot of, you know, the Shining score, um, you know, and like maybe like, I don't know if he just kind of like echoes the score, but there's a lot of like similar sounds and just like he mm. builds this kind of like soundscape you know, uh, during the film where it's, it's very subtle, but it's there and it's just driving up the tension and just like giving this like overpowering sense of just doom throughout like the first like hour or so of this film. So, um, you know, we meet up with some major characters from the original Shining, not giving too much away. Um, that they have to like recreate like through performances and other actors which on paper sounds like it could be a disaster mm -hmm. um but it you know it, you, the fear is that it would be like a bad impression like you would get bad impressions from these actors and everything but they do it in a way that you know it's never cheap. It never feels like a bad impression. And it it's it's almost like a sketch of like, you know, what they did in the original film, but like its own thing. Were they able to honor that original performance, but still like, you know, make it make sense within, you know, this movie. So, um, cause it that's something that totally could just take you out of the movie. Like once you're like, wait a second, what the hell? <laughs> you know, that's not so and so. So, um, but yeah, no, it, I can't say enough about the film. I mean, if you like horror movies, support horror movies, you know, so horror movie fans are so fickle and, mm. you know, they're the loudest on message boards, you know, complaining about there's no good original movies. And yes, this is technically a sequel, but this is, I mean, this is straight from the source. This is coming straight from Stephen King, the man himself. So, I mean... I don't have a problem with it. This isn't just like a cash grab, you know, from some, you know, um, movie studio. You know, this is, you know, Stephen King's work, you know, something that I'm sure he put a lot of thought, you know, and like, you know, sweat and tears into to get done. Because I don't think he would open this can of worms again unless he had a story to tell. And the story that I at least saw on film was definitely worth telling. You know, and I, like I said, I want to see more. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing, like, a prequel where we kind of follow, like, Rose the Hat. Or, you know, a sequel where we get to see where these characters move on from here. Um, 
you know, so definitely go out and support this film. I know it's right now there it's like every article is just about how bad the box office is, mm -hmm. but that doesn't reflect on how good the movie actually Do is. Do you feel like this film stands alone on it? Like is able to like if you didn't know anything about the shining or anything about that, would someone be able to enjoy this film just walking in? To a certain extent, yes. Um I don't think it leans on too many like story elements and like scares, um, you know, from The Shining mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, tell its own story. Um, and like all the performances and like the recreations are so well done. I think it gets the point across. Um, you know, is it as good as The Shining? No, it's not. It's not The Shining. The Shining is a masterpiece. But this is just a goddamn good movie. <laughs> so when I saw that box office, you know, Sunday morning, I was so disappointed. Because, mm. I mean, that all it, that's all it takes nowadays for, you know, movie studios to, like, start pumping the brakes. Yeah, I mean, there was know? so much good buzz around it. That's why I was so surprised to even hear that it didn't make it like, made make even. Like, like $12 million, $15 million dollars. Like something like abysmal. So I was really surprised. So, because I heard a lot of people talking about it, but for some reason they just didn't show up. And like critically, it's, it's, you know, it's not getting panned or anything like that. I've, I've only read good reviews. Um, and then like even fans, all the fan metrics out there, you know, on the little, you know, different sites, you know, it, they all have high percentages. So I'm, I was really, really surprised, you know. Um, but yeah, no, it's just one of those things. So I, I even think, I think the original Shining, like, didn't like necessarily like, you know, set the world on fire box office wise. Mm. And I know critically, I think it was actually panned. So. Do you think it's just cursed? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one last note. So uh, Dick Holleran, who was in the original Shining movie, but, you know, in Kubrick's, you know, film actually dies. In King's book, he lives. Mm -hmm. um, he's in this movie, which, you know, I could see maybe confusing some people if you've only, you know, yeah. seen the movie and not read the book. Um, but the performance of Carl Lumbly, I believe that's how you say his name, is so spot on amazing. Like, I was like, I had to check to see if they did like CGI, like some weird <laughs> like masking or something. Like, he nails that performance like it's like scatman crothers like came back to life you know just for this film like it's an amazing performance so i hope he gets some kind of like recognition or something i heard there was like rumors of actually them doing like a spin-off yeah, you know it with sounded his like um the studio was already like in plans to do a spin-off with him i don't know if that's gonna happen now with yeah that box office though which is unfortunate um, you know, cause they really set up this kind of like lore from him, you know, where it, you want to know like what the hell, you know, what's his life like you, the, you get a little bit of backstory and everything like that. There's almost this weird, like star Wars vibe going on. I won't go like, too much into it, but if you see, you know what I'm talking about, um, where you're like, okay, he's got a little bit of like an Obi-Wan Kenobi like quality to him. So it, it it's. It was, it was, it's interesting. It really is. Um, it's, it's a really cool choice by King. So, um, yeah, but this is just a classic Stephen King like tale. That's definitely worth seeing, you know, especially with a director like Mike Flanagan behind it. 
Well, with that said, would you say that this is uh, Mike Flanagan's best work so far? I was a big critic on Oculus. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of it, but... I liked Oculus. Mm-hmm. So I was a huge fan of Oculus. Um, I also really liked um, Hill House, of course. Mm-hmm. This is definitely on par with Hill House. I love that series, so I was really excited to hear that he was helming this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't disappoint. Well, so. I, I definitely know I'm going to go see it this weekend, as if if I can. <laughs> Yeah, and the rest of horror, mm. you know, the horror fans out there that actually listen to our show, you know, definitely give it a shot. Well, also, let them know what's your official grade, man. Oh, yeah, that's right, right? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give it an A-. minus. Um, The only critique I have of it was really, like, some of the villains were a little too easily disposed of. Mm. So, without giving away too much... <laughs> But yeah, otherwise, I would have given it an A, honestly. Well, that's good to hear, man. All right, so up next, we're going to talk some wrestling. Great show. Here's the thing about WWE. We like to have those, like, those iconic yes. history-making moments in WWE. Yes. Make, makes us yes. all fans. So I think it's time that we start doing some of our own right here on WWE Backstage. You guys in? Okay. Yeah, what, what, all right. yeah, what are we doing? In like three, surprise. two, one. What? No way! <laughs> is this a rib? Is this a rib? Oh my god! Holy crap! You guys don't want me to cuss when you do this? Yeah! Come on! Wow! I do this! I do this! Wow! No idea! No That's idea! Awesome. All right, welcome. Welcome back. Yes, welcome. It's as simple as this. Just when they think they got the answers, I change the culture. Oh. I'll see you here next week. Yeah. Yeah. Damon hates wrestling. What a crazy world we live in right now. At least wrestling-wise. <laughs> um, <laughs> All of a sudden, at like 1 o'clock in the morning, I'm watching FS1. Mm. And lo and behold, fucking CM Punk walks on to a <laughs> WWE set. I guess technically it's a Fox set. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. It, it kind of made my stomach turn. And I'm a big like CM Punk fan. And I heard all the rumors, you know, being reported like a month or so back that, you know, that he tried out for this job and it just made no sense to me. And I was like, well, maybe it's part of an angle, you know, maybe he's signing with WWE and maybe that's still the case, but it just feels like after years of buildup and, you know, is he going to come back? Is he not going to come back? Is he going to go to AEW? This is how he like re-debuts on the wrestling scene. I mean, I don't know, man. It was really just disappointing. Yeah, it was pretty lackluster. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, it didn't come off well. It was really cheesy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that whole show is pretty cheesy, as is. Um, but, like, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't want to see this. Like, this is not, like, the return to glory that I had in mind for CM Punk. And maybe this is just, like, him, another job for him. It's all it most Where, likely is. I you know, for me, like you have this grand like, you know, yeah. entrance and everything like that. And yeah, he got his music and <laughs> but then like he gets into the 
camera and like the lighting's all fucked up because he's out of the shot and I don't know what the hell. Everyone going that's on. there is trying to sell the fact that they didn't think that he was showing up. Supposedly, <laughs> Renee Young was the only person who knew. Supposedly, so it's everyone else sounded like they were acting. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Is this the oh rib right? Like yeah, I kept that's hearing. Page saying that. Yeah. Um, it just like, and I know him and like Joe are supposed to be good friends, so I have a feeling that Joe at least knew. Um. I don't know, man. I I don't want to see like one. I don't even want to watch the show. Mm-hmm. So this show did you, last? I guess week did forty eight thousand viewers. Forty eight thousand viewers. I just don't think anyone is interested in this. That's like what like a Sunday morning like fishing show does. <laughs> like that's insane. Mm-hmm. Like this is how he chooses to come back on the scene is on this show. What it's a paycheck. Man. Imagine imagine you get hired pretty much to come on a show to talk shit pretty much about the company that fired you. Didn't he like basically end his friendship with uh Colt Cabana because Colt went to like a WWE show like in the middle of their like lawsuit? He ended the friendship over a lawsuit between the two of them. But no, before that. Before they stopped that, talking yeah. because Colt went like like in the locker room at a WWE show or something ridiculous mm. like that. And then the whole lawsuit shit happened. So then after that, he ended a friendship. <laughs> then like two years later, he's actually back kind of working for the company. It's insane. I guess. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm fine if it's like he just he has to compete and it's because of the passion and his love for wrestling and his dream has always been to be in WWE, so that's why he resigns there and he's gonna shove it up their ass. But like him being like a commentator on this fucking shitty show, like <laughs> I don't I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean I'm not I know I'm, it's your guy. <laughs> no, no, I'm not defending the man. I'm okay. just I, I, I thought it was lackluster as fuck. I was like, this is this is it. <laughs> I mean, and you think they would... I mean, I like surprises, but you think they would use it to mm. like at least grab some ratings or something. I know they got a huge like social media number out of it and everything, but, you know, and WWE, of course, like jumped on right away. Now, apparently he's not a WWE employee, supposedly, Um He's just a straight Fox employee, but they had to get approval from WWE mm. to sign him to be on the show. And with that said, how awesome would it be if he's just a Fox employee and he has the ability to go wrestle other places? If he wanted, how he's funny not. would that? It's not going to happen, but how funny would that be? Because apparently AEW mm-hmm. actually did sit down with him, and they were in negotiations, and they offered him a huge contract, and he turned. So it's going to take a lot of fucking money. And I'm scared it's going to be a lot of, like, Saudi money or something to get him back in the ring. I would hope not. I mean, he's gone in, on record in the past that he would never do a Saudi show. Okay. But just... I hope so. I hope so. Because he feels like a man of principles, mm-hmm. at least. Um, so And to each his own. This is his choice. And, like, maybe this is what he wants to do. And maybe this is his new passion. I know he um, he was doing, like, commentary for, like, mixed martial arts and there was talks of him doing some like hockey show or something like that, or he was interested in doing some like mm. hockey tonight show. Um, so, and I know on our local channel, um, NBC Chicago, 
he'll like once in a while come on and like you know guest commentate and everything like that during like some of their like you know pre and post shows Mm -hmm. so i mean he definitely seems like he has the bug um but it just feels so weird. I'm wondering if he's going to end up doing, like, back in the attitude, like, the very beginning of the Attitude Era, they gave, like, Jim Cornette, like, a segment um, on Raw where he would just bash WCW and, like, you know, break kayfabe and even, like, belittle, like, WWE at the same time. So I'm wondering if he's going to get kind of, like, like a soapbox, like, segment like mm-hmm. that. You know, and they'll probably call it something really fucking corny with like pipe bomb in it or something horrible like that. <laughs> oh god, with a horrible graphic. I'm sure. Um now he is only supposed to be on there like part time, like it's special. Yes. Yes, that's what I heard. So he's supposed to be a regular, but it's he's not like one of the hosts. Mm-hmm. So um so he won't be like involved in some stupid like cooking segment or something. Um, do you think this will lead to AJ Lee's like return it'd be nice i i haven't heard anything from her or anything where it's like her showing interest of coming back to wrestling but i mean you know she was so fucking like hot at the mm -hmm. time you know when she left um and it's i feel like i like i feel like recent like at least a couple years ago where she still said she had the bug and everything like that but you know obviously wwe wasn't going to be the place that she would return to at the time (laughs) but now that i feel like the doors kind of like opened a crack maybe we'll get that return i know she had a book that she was out there you know selling and everything so maybe she'll see it as a good way to like a good platform for her i just wanted her to have a squash match with zelena vega and we can move on from there (laughs) (laughs) um so uh how soon until punk is back in a wwe ring um, I would say the soonest would be WrestleMania. I feel like that's the only paycheck that would, you know... Main event? Do they give events? him the main event? No. <laughs> I think they... I I think he'll hold out for that main event. That's what he wanted. If you listen to that fucking Cabana, like, um, interview, the podcast, that was that was definitely something that, like, stuck with him. Like, if he gets main event, home, it's like, gonna be against someone like Triple H or something. Oh, God. You know, it's not gonna be something worthwhile. Seth already is like message like yeah fight me fight me yeah maybe turn Seth heel like completely full I mean he's already heel he just doesn't know it you know but then yeah Mm. it'd be a nice setup (laughs) they're in Chicago in like two weeks so like why don't you bring him out during that who knows or just run the commercial during that. You know, the crowd would be red hot then. Of course, I mean, and it's going to be insane. Like, the CM Punk chants are not going away anytime, now, mm-hmm. like, soon at this point. And I felt like they're kind of starting to fade. But now that he's actually kind of, you know, back, yeah. I mean, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Um, should be a fun ride, though. Yeah. Should it? <laughs> it should be. We'll see. I, I definitely feel like we're... How do They're you, gonna throw all of the money at hmm. him. Do you do you agree with the fans saying that he is a sellout? No. Where are you on that stance? I don't like it, mm-hmm. but I don't think that means he's sold out. You know, and I know I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth. It, <laughs> it does feel weird <coughs> to come back to this company after you know he had so much venom towards them earlier, and you know, I mean the. 
them serving him like his, like, you know, uh, pink slip to him basically on the day of his wedding. Um, you know, there was a lot of bad blood there mm-hmm. and the whole trial where they're basically, he felt like WWE was trying to like, you know, bleed him dry. Um, it, so I'm surprised that he would, he'd be willing to come back, you know, anywhere near the company. But, you know, I mean, I feel like once a wrestler, always a wrestler. And if that's his dream job, I don't think it's going to take a lot to get him back in the ring. Um, maybe a lot of money, but I think they're going to just have to name the right match and everything. He was putting out a lot of tweets, I think like a month or two ago, when people were talking about like their schedules. I think he did the StarCast. And, like, someone was talking about, like, schedules and they're talking about, like, vacations and stuff like that. And he was like, what? Vacations? Um, So maybe, you know, they give him kind of like a Brock Lesnar type, you know, contract where he can come and go. Like, I don't think he'll be full time ever again. No. But I could definitely see him being kind of like a special attraction type deal like Brock is. So um, it's just going to cost them a lot of money. But if those ratings keep on dipping, they're going to definitely be willing to pay it. So, um, but yay. Yay. CM Punk's back. <laughs> it's like sad a that party have church. To... <laughs> it's sad that we're this like way about a CM Punk return. Could you, you know? imagine if it was like in the middle of, you know, Allstate Arena mm. and then all of a sudden his music hits? How fucking ape shit that fucking crowd would go. Even if he was just announcing, yeah, I'm going to be on FS1. Yes, e- like, even that. Like, hey, check me out on FS1, blah, blah, blah. Then you're driving viewers to your show. Oh, my God. It's just like... <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what the thought process is. Maybe he refused. Maybe that was pitched and he just said, no, fuck you guys. No, nah, man, he's come to change the culture. Oh, God. Cult of mediocrity. <laughs> That was so me. That whole segment was. So- <laughs> all right, all right, all right. It was crazy. Let's, let's talk about the other brand here, AEW, yes. who had a huge weekend with full gear. All right, Christian. Uh, so what were your overall thoughts of the pay per view? Overall, I think I enjoyed a lot of the main event scene, but the undercard was very weak for me in okay. general. Okay. Um, I it, it's it's very fifty fifty because I there's a lot of aspects to the matches that I liked, but there's a lot that I hated. I think the undercard didn't have enough build up. Yes, exactly. You know, and I think it's just lack of promo time like allowed it to a lot of you know those feuds mm-hmm. going on right now. I mean, at the end when it got closer to the pay per view a lot of the main events started getting more like, you know, time and you actually had like Moxley cutting a promo and, you know, Jericho's all over the show and Cody fucking, you know, cut like the promo of the year. Um, but yeah. Oh, and I don't know if any, if, did you catch, um, countdown? Ah, uh, yes. Okay. I, well, I can't, I caught what they put in the pre-show. Yes, like if you haven't caught Countdown and you know you're you haven't watched the pay per view yet, and even if you have watched it, go ahead and check out Countdown. Because mm. my question is, why the hell isn't like some of this shit on Dynamite? You know, even if you just like went ahead and you cut like maybe ninety seconds off of like each one of the matches, and then just like plugged in a couple of these little segments, 
I think you set up for a great fucking card. And, you know, your your fan base is more into these matches. Because mm-hmm. the crowd definitely felt like dead at points during this card. It's so opposite of what, like, Dynamite um, has been. Like, you know, the, the crowd's just electric usually. Mm-hmm. And it was just weird. It was a weird dynamic. Because I was like, this is a pay-per-view. You would think they would be, like, on their feet the entire time. And that was not the case. Um, I, I did hear some people defend the audience saying that they were hot and it was like a miking issue, but I don't I don't buy it because there was definitely times, you know, where you could hear just like like a couple fans chanting. I was like, well, that tells me it's not an audio issue. Mm. Like if I can hear like, you know, just a few people talk, you know, it just it seems weird to me. So um, <coughs> but yeah, that being said, let's go ahead and let's talk the card. Uh, well, for the buy-in, we had Britt Breaker going up against Bea Presley. This was just kind of there for me. Yeah, it was, you know, they had build-up, I say with quotation marks, because they've been doing this since, you know, all-in, pretty much, well, building since, it up. And really, it's all based on her injury, mm-hmm. you know, um, which actually happened. Um, the concussion that Britt, like, suffered, you know, during, you know, their um, match. I don't even remember what event it was at at this point, but... Um, but you would feel like it just felt like once again they could have used more build up or mm-hmm. anything like that. But the match itself too was kind of lackluster yeah. for me. So. I don't know. I, I was expecting a lot more out of the two. And then I don't understand what the hell's going on with you know the whole Randy Rhodes Awesome Kong thing. Yeah, but I, I'm interested in it. I just didn't understand why she attacked be a Presley of all people, especially if she's a heel character coming out. Do you think they're going to like put together like a stable or something like that? And like, they're going to have control over her now since they cut her hair. It's like a voodoo thing. I would see, I'd be into that if they didn't do it this week to Allie on the show. I have not watched all of dynamite. Mm -hmm. We're recording early this week. Um, actually dynamite just ended like an hour or so ago. So, and I have not gotten a chance to check it out. So they did it to Allie. Yes. Okay. So I can't imagine her super baby face character right now joining this heel uh, group. I don't know. It's weird. It's, it's like, weird. I don't really Give like, it, I'm, I'm, I'm into it as long as, you know, Brandy doesn't, doesn't wrestle <laughs> <laughs> that plus as long as she doesn't show up by Cody's side. Because Cody is just the ultimate, you know, baby face right now. Well, she that would make no sense. She did actually come out and say say that she was done, like accompanying him to the ring. Hmm. Um, you know, she needs to focus on herself. So that was like a couple weeks back, um, before all this, you know, weirdness started happening. So I have no problem. I feel like it will build if, as long as it builds to something cool. I'm down for it. At this point, I just don't trust them. You know, I mean, their women's division, I feel like, has been rather weak at mm. best. So they really need to invest some time into it. It's like, what's she going to do when she comes across Awesome Kong? She's got no hair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. What do we have next? So right. the opening of the ma- of the pay-per-view, right? Yes, the opening of the pay-per-view. We got the Young Bucks going up against Proud and Powerful. Uh, Proud and Powerful, of course, going over the Bucks. Um, I, I dug this match. I really did. I thought this was a really mm-hmm. good opener. Um, you know, I, I you know, these two teams clicked together. Um and it was something different. I feel like we've seen the Young Bucks kind of fight like the same like couple teams 
over the past like couple months. So it was kind of refreshing to see them wrestle a team with a different style. Um, Did you, know. you like the way that they put the match together, making it almost seem like these are like complete equals? Um. Well, how so? Why? Why are you saying that? Like, it, it felt very like, like yin 50, and yang 50. to each other. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know if I got that vibe. I mean, it just felt more of a brawl, you know, than what we've seen in the past from the Bucks, at least you know recently. And the, I mean, the Bucks can go in any style. Mm. Um. But yeah, no, I I really I think this really put over proud and powerful. Um, you know, and I did see on this week, they continue to put them over. They, mm. you know, beat the Bucks down backstage and it became a whole like thing, um, where they even put them through, uh, I don't even know what you call it. Part of the stage, like they did with the rock and roll express. Yeah. But how about the fucking rock and roll express? Huh? I know, right? <laughs> fucking, uh, fucking, uh, Ricky Morton hitting the Canadian destroyer, <laughs> like out of nowhere. It's like, not only are they doing double time, you know, going on NWA and this, but he's he's doing suicide dives. Yes, what? yes, he's a fucking madman. Um, but good for them, man. Uh, what are we doing with our lives? Not suicide dives. <laughs> I can barely get off this couch. Exactly. <laughs> I definitely feel like this is like a bigger part of a story arc, and mm. you know we're gonna start now seeing like the rise of the young bucks. You know, until they finally like capture that tag team gold. You know, it seems like all the elites are like on this kind of trajectory where you know they're doing a whole lot of losing at this point. Um, and I feel like we're gonna kind of all see that like come to head now. Yes, I definitely think they're doing like a rising storyline from all yes, of this. yes, which is fine if mm-hmm. if it's building up the rest of the roster. So I know a lot of people have been harping on like, well, what does this mean? you know, for the rest of the audience, like the new audience and everything. I I think there's too much credence being played to that. Um, I feel like, you know, like even just seeing them in like a losing fashion, you know, in these matches, you can still tell these guys are superstars. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I feel like that kind of underdog story could actually get, you know, these characters, you know, to a new audience over. So... Um, but okay, but speaking of which, we have our next match. Yeah, we had Hangman Adam Page going over Pack. Um, which I was like, okay, this was I I thought this was a solid match. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this match. Um, I think it was the best match I've seen them have so far. Uh, you know, and I was I was happy to see um Hangman go over here. So I was like, okay, well maybe he's like back to his winning ways. But then tonight on Dynamite, they have the rubber match, and he ended up taking the pin, um, in convincing fashion too. So um, once again, it sounds like you know the lead just can't win right now. Um, it also feels like they have like big plans for Pack at this mm-hmm. point. Um, it'll be interesting to see since his record is so, I mean, I think he only has the one loss now to Hangman. Um, if they'll actually have him like, you know, get a title shot against mm-hmm. Jericho. Cause if they're all about records, I mean, I don't think anyone has a better record than pack at this point. No, other than I think Moxley. Well, Moxley, the one, the, the match, uh, from the pay-per-view doesn't count. No, on his but record. just in general, I don't think he has a loss. Okay. I don't think he has that many matches because I think because <laughs> I think they're all and like, and then the, the other matches were uh, lights out. True. So I don't think they count on his record. So I think it's like one and zero. 
So, all right. Well, let's move on. Uh, but yeah, no, great match. Though. Mm. So, um, all right. Moving on. Sean Spears versus Joey Janela. It was, it was okay for me. Like, I liked a lot of the spots that they had. But overall, I, this match didn't really, like, hype me up too much. The problem is, is, like, most of this feud started on Dark. Dark, yeah. You know? And if you're not watching Dark, you're kind of, like, in the Dark. No pun intended, sorry. Um, So it really just, I don't know, it didn't do much for me. Um, I'm not not sold on Sean Spears at this point. You know, I was really excited for, you know, his turn on Cody and everything, but everything since then has been lackluster. They need to, like, let, you know, Tully grab the mic and, you know, cut some promos for him and... Like, give him some kind of, like, you know, give him a few squash matches, honestly, and let him, like, you know, build up as a character and make him feel like a legitimate threat. You know, um, he's definitely the most, like, WWE wrestler they have. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he was with the company so long. Um, but you can definitely, you know, he, he's got that stench of that WWE style all over him. Where he's playing, you know, he's, I mean, yes, there there's a he's got some, you know, dangerous moves in his, like, you know, arsenal, but there's this, like, air of, like, safeness around him. So, I I don't know. I just don't buy the character right now if he's supposed to be this, like, you know, intimidating heel. He's the chairman. So, yeah, and that's... (laughs) I'm done with that. I don't know. I'm over that. You know, he can't keep on harping on that. It just... It feels very three months ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and like his whole entrance is, annoys me at this point with the whole like lights out and him sitting in the chair. I, I don't know. Because I'm always like, oh, what's happening? And then it's just him sitting in the chair. It just makes me feel like a one trick pony. Mm-hmm. You know, where he's like milking it to death, like kind of like what he did with the whole 10 thing. So, and I know people all love that. I was, I was done with it after like, you know. <laughs> People were chanting 10 this week. Yes. Well, he was doing it again. I was like, you're supposed to be kind of like done with that, you know, like moving on from that. He should get upset at the crowd when they chew that, you know, if he's a true heel. But he was doing it in like uh, Janelle's face. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Uh, just, I, the, it didn't seem like there's any future for this storyline. And it definitely didn't help with um, them doing a Kip Sabian like package right afterwards. You know, kind of sort of insulting Joey Janela. So I guess Penelope Ford was with Janela in real life. And then, like, they broke up and she's now with Sabin in real life. Yes. So now they're, like, capitalizing on that um, feud-wise, I guess. Which, fine. It, um, Joey doesn't seem like he has any interest in that feud. Really? Yeah, he posted online, I'd rather go back to delivering pizzas. Oh, really? Than fight him. Yeah. Huh. That's weird. Because uh, it feels like they have a lot of, like, creative input, so I'm surprised by that. Uh, but I don't know, man. I, it just feels like, okay, well, what was the point of this match mm-hmm. then? Are we moving on that quickly? Um, so. I don't know. It didn't do much for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see Kip Sabin, though. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the guy can go, so, I mean, give him some TV time. Uh, next up, we had the triple threat match for the AEW Tag Team Championships. That's between SCU, Lucha Bros, and Private Party. Um, I, I, I just do not like triple threat tag matches. I don't think I ever will. Mm-hmm. I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. 
they're hard to pull off. They really are. And unless you go Lucha style, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of difficult. Where, like, why would I want to be outside of the ring? You know, like, it doesn't, yeah. Logistically, it doesn't make much sense. So, um, you know, I, it, my thing, too, is, like, I felt like this was the greenest, like, private parties looked. Yeah, um, they did look pretty. It's hard to pull off triple threat matches. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, you know, you're kind of exposing some of your talent by putting them in these situations um, where I would much rather have them protect private party at this point, you know. Because, I mean, you, and this was a fine match. Don't get me wrong, you know. Um, but when I first saw private party, I was like, holy shit, these guys are ready. And, like, the more I see them in matches like that, I was like, okay, wait a second. You know, these guys need a lot more seasoning. Mm-hmm. So, and that's kind of like, you you don't want to be, that shouldn't be their trajectory right now, you know. Um, so, I, I don't know. It was a good match. Um, I didn't understand the whole point of um, Christopher Daniels coming out dressed up. It was up a as, terrible return. Yeah. Like, why? Okay. So, Christopher Daniels came out dressed up like Pentagon. At the end of the match, after the Lucha Brothers already lost. Mm-hmm. Now, and then, like, okay. <laughs> the lights go up. The lights come back on. They're both standing there. Pentagon... Like, doesn't even seem confused by this. He seems almost excited. Like, he just, like, all of a sudden, like, was cloned. And, like, (laughs) he found, like, a long-lost brother. It just... I was like, what? I don't understand the whole Hmm. swerve here. Like, what's the whole... I'm wondering if this is an angle that they've done in the past or in, like, uh, AAA or something. Because the way Excalibur was making it sound was calling him Pentagon Trace out of nowhere made it sound like oh maybe this is an established character before that Ah. christopher daniels is just like mimicking out of nowhere i don't think so (laughs) i really don't think so i think you know excalibur was just trying to save the probably it it was just a weird um i he didn't need to be dressed up to come save his team they would have done it during the match Mm -hmm. where like you know Ray like thinks he's tagging in Pentagon or something like that, and it's Christopher Daniels, and then he turns on him. Like they could have done something like that, where he's underneath the ring, and then you know when Pentagon's down, maybe Christopher Daniels gets on the apron and does the tag, and then he turns on him and costs him. The... That would have made sense, mm-hmm. but maybe they thought that was too heel like. I guess. You know, but, but that would have been the perfect revenge. But this was know. anticlimactic at best. <laughs> But you know what was a good return was this week we got the return of Luchasaurus. Yes, yes. Um, against uh, the Dark uh, Order, yes. Order, yes. I'm over those guys, too. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, the crowd was fucking hot for mm. Luchasaurus. So, um, He's such a good talent. He is. He is. Um, we'll see. Like, I don't know if he's ready to be back yet, though. I heard everything was... It sounded like it was supposed to be early 2020. Oh, okay. So, I mean, maybe he's just coming... Like, maybe he'll just do a few spots here and there, you know, during matches. Um, we'll see. We'll see if he's ready. But, you know, he's definitely over right now. Um, but, yeah. All right. So, let's move on. Yeah, next we had the AEW Women's Championship match between Rio and Emmy Sakura. Um you know my problems with Emmy. <laughs> yeah. It you know she's supposed to be heel in this storyline but she's not heel 
whatsoever as a character. Um, the crowd tried to help her out, mm-hmm. uh, tried to get behind what she was doing. Yeah, um, but it was just it didn't it didn't work. And these two are great together in general. Like the match, like they keep trying to do the same type of match with um, Rio, where it's like it's very slow at the beginning and then it builds into mm-hmm. something. This should have been the opposite. These two can grapple with each other like no one else. And 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 the fact that they didn't at least give me this long grapple spot at the beginning, then slow down, I felt like that no, would have like, been just way like better. wrestling and yes. stuff like that? Yeah. Because I, I did like the like roll-up, you know, mm-hmm. where they're just going back and forth with the roll-ups and everything at the end of the match. Um, but at the same time, I think I'm just completely thrown off by, you know, her character. Um, you know, Sakura, like just the fact that she's coming out playing to the crowd, but she's supposed to be the heel, but then she's like getting teary eyed before the match starts. And they made a point to like point that Mm. out. Um, I think that just kind of throws up like, don't, then don't bother like making her a heel character, you know, have this be, you know, student versus mentor. That's fine. You know, that match works. So, um, and then you could do all this, like, you know, wrestling, but there's like respect, you know, between the two of them. So, because I feel like it was there anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I just, and I, even as a face, I hate the whole Freddie Mercury thing going. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't get it, you know? I love Freddie Mercury and I love wrestling. The Romero they, stretches with her doing the, oh! I don't. I was, I was like, yes, I, okay. stop. Please <laughs> stop. And maybe it's over, you know, you know, in Japan. I don't know, but it's definitely not working here. <laughs> So they uh, try so hard to like explain it every time she comes out too. Yeah, you know Excalibur's like, yeah, her idol is Freddie Mercury. It's, it just doesn't work. No, just it get, doesn't. just let it go. It <laughs> doesn't. It doesn't translate into the ring mm-hmm. at all. So, um, it's awkward at best. <laughs> all right. So moving on. Uh, I was surprised to see that this wasn't the final match of the night, but it was Chris Jericho versus Cody Rhodes. That's because they held the whole lights out thing. Yes, but so. Well, the whole, I guess the whole thing is back in the day, the lights out gimmick was like, you know, basically, you know, the Federation is closing up shop and now this match can take place because it's unsanctioned, you know, so that's the whole gimmick. Um, But yes, it it felt like Jericho and Cody should be going on last. Um, I get it why they wouldn't want to follow the Moxley and, you Mm -hmm. know, Omega match. Um, but what were your thoughts on this match? Um, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the story that they were putting on throughout the entire match. Um, <laughs> the spot where he busts his head open is gnarly. Yes. Because <laughs> at first I was like, was that on purpose? Is mm-hmm. he blading? And then you watch me, it's like, no, he fucking, that's a hard way. Um, and you can even tell by the cut and everything like that. Because I was like, did he blade? Like, did he pre-blade? Did he blade in the air? Like, because I was trying to figure, because uh, um, the ref gets in the way initially of, like, the impact. Um, but then, like, I didn't, I was not a fan of the ramp, by the way. Oh, yeah, to the ring. I was yeah, like, what's I was the like, point of this? What is the point of this? Why? And I know you want to kind of change things up for the pay-per-view, but I, they could have done much better than that. Those gears should have been moving. Yeah, something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but I thought they told a good story and everything like that. Um, you know, the ramp, you know, uh, faceplant definitely intensified things. 
um, but they went with it, um, mm. which, you know, is just a sign of two seasoned vets in there. Um, it was just good storytelling um, by, you know, two guys at the top of their game right now, which is crazy to say because Jericho's 48 years old. Um, but, you know, he knows how to get the job done. Mm. Um, I, I definitely felt like it was the match that the crowd was most invested in. Um, were you thrown off by the judges at all? Some people were complaining about the judges. No, I I mean, it made sense if the match... I think people just assumed that it was going to go 60 minutes because yes, of that. Yes, people assumed. And yeah. So. Of course, like, you, you would want to swerve it in some way. Yes, yes. And I get it. You know, as long as they're, they're consistent with it, mm. and this is something they do for, like, you know, big title fights, I'm fine with it. And it's very, like, NWA, early WCW. So I understand why they're doing it. Um, I like that the, they put, like, Dean Malenko in there, and then, like, Jericho, like, had the presence of mind to go over there and kind of get in Dean's face because of their classic feud and everything. Mm. So, and that almost made me feel like, oh, shit, maybe they are going to go 60 minutes. Because um, that'd be great for, like, Jericho to harp on. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I... Okay, so let's talk the heel yes. <laughs> What were your thoughts? Um... I didn't have a problem. I don't have a problem with MJF turning on him. Mm-hmm. I think I I I was hoping that they would go a little longer because, and I understand this has been going on since All In, mm-hmm. so it's been years. But at the same time, or a year, I would say. Uh, but at the same time, a new audience. I feel like a new audience deserves a longer storyline from if they've been watching since the first episode. Yeah, and not following all this stuff. Um, I even felt it was too soon, mm-hmm. you know, and like I've been following it since it started, like at you know since the beginning. But I would have much rather see them like play it out more and mm-hmm. keep on teasing it, and like so it's this was a big moment, um, and I didn't feel like it was anticlimactic, but I just I don't know, I felt like there was a bigger moment like still out there, you know, where this could have taken place, um, in a weird way. Where I felt like it could have just been kind of teased again here, and they could have moved on and really worked into more of a storyline. Mm-hmm. You know, was this MJF, you know, screwing Cody, or did he really feel something for his friend? There's been people that have been making some good points though. Like if it did continue on, and you know, you have you know Cody constantly having to defend MJF being his friend and stuff, doesn't that that makes Cody look dumb stupid and stupid and everything? Um, they did a good job. I think the one way that you could kind of, you know, protect him from that was like, Cody was legitimately stuck. Jericho had him in the classic mm-hmm. fucking walls of Jericho. You know, the lion tamer, um, you know, style where the version of it where he had like the knee on the head and Cody wasn't going anywhere. So, I mean, it was legitimate that like MJF, you know, could have been protecting Cody mm-hmm. from himself. Um, you know, trying to stop him from seriously getting injured, especially at that point where he's busted open and everything like that. He's all fucking bruised up. Um, you know, and his body was completely contorted. It was well done on both of their parts. Um, where I, I do see where people are coming from. Like you don't want him mm-hmm. to look just so gullible, but he already looks that way. With this whole, like, dynamic between the two. Like, from the get-go, like, MJF, like, you know, being this dastardly heel, 
basically like behind Cody's back to everyone. But then like, you know, Cody singing his praises and talking about him being like the salt of the earth, um, you know, where he doesn't really recognize, you know, MJF's true colors. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's that's an element already there yeah. where they could have made this more of a real relationship and dive into the relationship and you know, you know, not do it so tongue in cheek. Um, so when the turn happens, it's a little more effective. But I, that being said, I didn't mind it at all. Now, what happened on um, Dynamite tonight? So MJF comes out at well, first off, Cody, it's not Cody, um, Jericho. Jericho's out. You know pretty much praising himself as, as Jericho would mm -hmm. uh, still demanding a thank you from everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, MJF interrupts very much starts explaining, you know, uh, Cody, you know, just uses people. He, he, he was going to treat MJF as a pawn rather than as a friend. You know, he had him under his thumb and it was all fake a relationship between the two of them. Um, on Cody's end. Yes, on Cody's end. So he's blaming Cody for all the reasons why this happened. Interesting. Uh, which I I thought was an interesting way to take it. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm hoping that this is maybe just bullshit by him. Yeah. Um, and it, it is. But I, I would have much rather had him been straightforward and just mm -hmm. tell the truth. I was using Cody. But once I saw that, you know, he was a loser, I was done with him. I had no use for him anymore. You know, so I took pity on him and, you know, then I got, I, I cast him aside. So I, I would have been much, I think that's more like in the vein of his character, mm -hmm. you know, um, it doesn't feel like he's a whiner, you know, <laughs> um, he's super like, it, just from everything I've seen, you know, he seems very like just cocky and overconfident, mm -hmm. um, you know, where he wouldn't, he would never like even admit that he was being used, even if it was true. So. Um, we get a great confrontation between um, Jericho and MJF. And eventually, um, both of them insulting Cody, Cody arrives. Um, you know, the refs and everyone are trying to stop Cody from doing it because, you know, he's not been medically cleared. Mm -hmm. uh, he runs to the ring anyway and gets attacked by Wardlow in the end. So it's the big introduction of Wardlow. He's, you know, he's kind of dressed this, uh, in a similar way. That's as, that character um, we saw. MJF, yeah. It, like the weird vignette. Mm -hmm. He's how, been having a couple vignettes here and there. How is that? How did it come off? Um, I didn't have a problem with his attack. I just like if these guys, which they teased, if these guys are part of inner circle, I feel like it's a weird dynamic. Oh, so you felt like he, it, it felt like it was more of a pairing between him and MJF. Yes, like maybe he'll be like the muscle for MJF. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Fine. So, uh, did they t they teased uh, MJF in the inner circle? Yes, I mean they even came to an embrace between the two um, MJF and uh, Chris Jericho. Okay, but there was no ever clear like, yeah, you're a part of the inner circle. Now. See, I feel like there's a storyline like there's storyline potential mm. there where you have them for you know a, like a year like be a faction together everything, but then eventually MJF is the one who like turns on Jericho. And it's a great way for Jericho to turn face, you know. Um, and then like MJF can end up being like the top mm. heel of the care, you know, the company, and you know taking over leadership. You know, of the inner circle. I think it would be incredibly entertaining. I mean, just to see, just the interaction we got here, imagining the two of them working together and insulting everyone on the roster, I think would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, all right. All right. Um, yeah, but overall, I didn't. I really did enjoy the match. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was great storytelling, and you know, what's great about Cody is like he has a way of stealing the show. You know, regardless of not necessarily being like the most athletic, you know, or, or like even just talented in ring wise. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's a great wrestler, but you know, comparatively speaking, you know, um, you know, but he still just finds a way to like tap into the emotions of the fans and really tell a great story. Um, so, uh, but yeah, okay. So let's move on to the lights out match. Uh, yes, Kenny Omega versus Moxley. Um, I think I enjoyed it more than the average viewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's mostly just because that's what I would want out of a hardcore match in general. I enjoyed it. I thought it was maybe like 10 minutes too long. It was a very long mm-hmm. match. Um, I don't like all the kind of gimmickry kind of setups. I like the match to be a little more grounded, you know, like, you know, I don't want to see boards with fucking mouse traps. Yeah, I think that like was that. the most ridiculous part. Yeah, like, I mean, it's super fucking, like, Japanese deathmatch, um, which is fine and everything, but... He, he did come from DDT, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's fine, and that's very CZW and everything like mm. that, and they both worked there, but... um you know that be sad. Like I, I was entertained by the match, um, just because it was so brutal and everything like that. It's something that you don't typically see here on, in the states if it isn't like CZW. Um, I just hope it's more of like a once in a lifetime thing. Like I don't want this to be like in every like couple months or every like pay per view mm-hmm. thing. Um, I do. I did find myself wanting to see them wrestle more at points. You know, it did feel very. I don't know like prop comic where it's just like you know them pulling things out you know you know um there was no cohesiveness at times it felt like to the match mm-hmm. um so but that being said it was still entertaining mm-hmm. you know and just I, brutal for what it was i think it was a it was a very spectacle and entertainment match whereas i do see them down the line still having a great one-on-one singles match that will be way better than what we got here. Because, yeah, this is all about the weapons and I the carnage and stuff. I think that's my problem, though. It's like, it feels like it's being booked backwards. Mm-hmm. Where, like, this is the blow-off. Where we get that kind of, like, you know, you know, just, you know, between the ropes match... You know, them going back and forth and try to out-wrestle each other. And then eventually it comes to a head. To the, it's, just, it's just like classic booking. So it just feels weird to like book it this way. Um, I do like on Dynamite this this week. I like the fact that, you know, Omega was selling his injuries. Um, it doesn't feel like it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, he made sure we got a, a vignette with him like backstage talking to the trainer you know, the trainer rules him out and then Omega asks how Moxley is, um, you know, and the trainer's honest with them. And you could tell it like, you know, bothers, you know, Omega that Moxley's cleared to wrestle, but he's not. So it feels like it's going to, you know, carry on and continue with those two trying to outdo each other. I did kind of laugh, though, when it was Nakazawa and, uh, and Rio just randomly going, oh, as he walked out the door. Uh-huh. I was like, this... That was totally forced. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, um, but no, I do. I did really like the moment where he's asking about, um, you know, Moxley and how he's doing. I'm wondering too if now, like Kenny's like, okay, you know, we we, you know, got to play, you know, in your sandbox. Let's play in mine, mm-hmm. you know. And he challenges them to like a straight up match. Um, you it's know, sixty minute Iron Man match. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only way you can go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> we're going. We're going Broadway, baby. Um, but yeah, no, I. It was a good match. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people are being a little too harsh on it. I mean, there's a lot worse yes. out there, death match wise. So, um, you know, because I've heard two different like school of thoughts. Like it wasn't like hardcore enough, which is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Because um, I think some people were saying like, oh well, um, the. the uh, the board with the barbed wire, that barbed wire was fake, where, mm-hmm. like, you know, the stuff on the bats and the brooms were real. You know, they should have used the real. It's like, okay. Like, these guys want to fucking be able to, like, wrestle again. <laughs> Give them a fucking And the people break. that are having to drag them out of that probably didn't want to have real barbed yes. wire. Oh, my God. There was a match <laughs> in ECW where I think it was Terry Funk, maybe Tommy Dreamer, where they get so tangled up in the fucking barbed wire that they literally have to have people come and get them out of it. And it's so awkward and just horrifying to watch as these barbs are like sticking into them and ripping out their flesh. Mm -hmm. And you could tell that they're just in like horrendous pain (laughs) Um, and just bleeding like, it's like, it's okay. You know, (laughs) it's, it's not real. It's, I can deal with a little bit that you know um you know a little showbiz they probably want like the electric ropes and light tubes and the exploding boards Mm. and shit like that and those death matches never live up to the hype i don't care what the fuck anyone says so even foley and uh uh funk's match cactus jack and terry funk you know from their like infamous like you know death match in japan like it's Mm. watch that back and tell me where that ranks like, <laughs> with you. Because it, it's it's all about the legend, you know. Mm-hmm. But in execution, eh, it's okay. Well, I wanted to know, how do you feel about Moxie's open challenge and who answered the open challenge this week? Um, I thought that was cool. I mean, we got Darby Allen mm-hmm. stepping up. Um, you know, I thought it was a little... I wish it happens right then and there. Yeah, the promo felt awkward. It felt like he was waiting for someone to come out. Like every once in a while, it was like, oh, maybe he's just just ad living right now uh, while they're trying to fix the music in the back. Or I think I think that's just going to be kind of his promo style because mm-hmm. the, he's not going from a script. So you know, um, which I like. It makes him feel just kind of like unpredictable, uh, and I think that's why his last promo works so well. But yeah, no, he it, it was a little weird to have Darby Allen like come out after his match and like challenge him. Whereas like, okay, well, why wouldn't you want to do it face to face against Moxley? So um, I feel like that's a better build, you know, for the match next week. Either way, I'm down. No, no, it should be a good <laughs> match, but I don't think you're you're not going to get like a hardcore match. No, or anything at no, this I point. don't expect it. But so, they can both go. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um. All right. So, um, o- overall, what would you give this uh, card? We do stars for wrestling, wrestling shows. Yes. As a reminder, um, I I literally almost said a grade. <laughs> um, man, I'm I'm gonna give it a three and a half. 
Wow. Okay. The undercard was really rough for me. Really? Uh, I'm going to give it a four. Because I just feel I, I, yeah, the undercard was underwhelming, but it was still like good wrestling. So I'm okay with it. Um, I just wish there was more buildup, mm-hmm. you know, for those matches. They just have to, you know, figure out a balance between, you know, wrestling and, you know, promo time. Well, I guess that's always going to be my thing. If they don't do enough promo time, then these better be some motherfucking amazing or near damn near perfect yes. undercard. Because that's exactly, you know, that's what sells New Japan is mm. the fact that, yeah, we don't understand anything they're fucking saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, we're getting the angles translated for us, but the in ring work is so phenomenal that it does not matter. Mm. So I agree, you know. Um, you know, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, their wrestling style in AEW and they have tons of great workers, but you still need that storyline to kind of drive these matches um, to even put them over to that next level. Mm. So, um, you know, I mean, look what Cody has been able to do. You know, he's legitimately like the top baby face in the world right now. All right, man. So I'm done. it's two o'clock in the morning uh let's call it a night all right well as usual make sure that you check us out on dramacityproductions.com find us and plenty of great podcasts over there um make sure that you're following us on social media we're on facebook twitter and instagram we're on all your favorite podcast platforms where you can subscribe and rate us right now you want to give us five stars that's right uh that's the fuel that keeps a small podcast like us going Mm -hmm. so make sure you give us that five star review um yeah and if you want to continue to support the podcast um go ahead and pick up some great nerd swag over at prowrestlingtees.com or T Public for that matter. Yes. So um, go ahead and uh, you know, help spread the word by wearing our merch, goddamn. Yes, proud and powerful. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> All right, uh, you're listening to Greg Brebner right now, house DJ of Amazing Nerd Show. Definitely check him out on Instagram and SoundCloud. That's right. Um, and then at the top of the show, that was Them Guilty Aces, a great uh, rockabilly band from the Chicagoland area. Um, go ahead and check out their music over on iTunes. And they got some great videos on YouTube. Yes. All right. Um, next week, we're definitely talking Mandalorian. Maybe we'll talk more Disney Plus. Most likely. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. Uh, until then. Uh, my name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that's The Amazing Nerd Show. I'm going to say this one more time. Do you want to be in the inner circle? Do you want me to be in the inner circle, Chris? All right, you know what? You know who the biggest jackass is in oh, AEW? Oh, I know. I know who the biggest jackass in AEW oh, is. Oh, yeah? Do I'm you gonna want to say it right now? I'm going to say it first. Do you want to know who the biggest jackass is? I'm going to say it first. I'm going to say it. Cody Rose. <laughs> oh, they're so funny. Oh. They should, they should be on a cruise together. The worst game of who's on first I've ever seen. I like you.